What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the ones in charge. They are the host. They are the ones at the wheel. Therefore, they're steering the ship through these crazy, chaotic waters that we know know it as life. And so welcome. Glad to have you all here. Like I said, You have to put your trust 100% into God and Jesus Christ, and they will steer your personal vessel into that safe harbor so you can anchor and finally get your feet on dry, solid land and have refuge and peace once and for all. Very important words to reflect on. I don't say that lightly. A lot of symbolism as well as truth that I think we're going to be, I really think that we're going to be approaching here in the future. Um, and when I say future, not like hundreds of years down the road, I mean, I really do believe we are near a tipping point and it's pretty evident. It's hard to deny that. But anyway, so today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. We're in November, ladies and gentlemen, Ha! the month of Thanksgiving, the month of eating lots of turkey and and pie, and oh my goodness, just everything else that comes with it. I have to be good, because I've been doing good, losing inches around the waistline. Um, I kind of killed it yesterday. We went to Applebee's last night, and I'll be be honest with you, I wasn't too keen on going to Applebee's. I was like, I don't know if I really want to go there, but everybody else wanted to, so I said, all right. I gotta honestly say, I actually enjoyed myself. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, So yeah, but, uh, but anyway, so today, <clears throat> so I do apologize for having a later show. Today was one of those days. If it could go wrong, it went wrong. And when I say went wrong, I don't want to say in a way, because my day was actually good. So I guess let me start by saying that. My day was actually good. But I just had delay after delay after delay, and it was causing me to fall further and further behind in my workday. And then to add insult to injury, when I get to my last load, I had to go load up some ethanol to bring back to the terminal. I get there. Now, as a hazmat hauler, if you haul gas here, if you're, you know, if you haul hazmat, there is a regulation or I don't want to say it's a law, but there is a regulation that requires us to, every time we stop or every one, I want to say every 100 miles, I want to say it is, we're required to stop. And thump our tires to make sure, you know, do a tire check and make sure we don't have any hot brakes. Because when you're hauling very volatile materials, um, that could really cause a pretty bad impact if, you know, if you were to get into an accident. Um, you know, <clears throat> we're required to 
check our tires more than the average bear, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. And so, um, so anyway, I say all that to say this, I was checking my tires. I got to the ethanol plant and wouldn't luck have it. I had a blown out tire. Well, not really blown out, but it was pretty much flat and riding, you know, the tire on my trailer. One of them was riding off the rim a little bit. I was like, come on. And I can't load it. I mean, it's policy. So I can't load it until that wheel's fixed. You know, that tire's fixed. So I had to sit there and wait for another hour and 40, 45 minutes. Just sitting there staring out my windshield, waiting for the, the tire tech guy to come. So that was, that was fun. Um, what we're also going to do after the reading, um, I was going to do two shows today. I, I'll be quite frank with you. I'm going to have to do the assembly update and more on a different day. Uh, maybe perhaps tomorrow. It's just been a day, but I'm not going to waver from doing a 1% with him. Have to do that. Not because I feel obligated and because God told me to, but because I actually, believe it or not, would feel guilty not doing one um, because I enjoy doing these shows. So like I said, I'll do the assembly update and more on another night. Today's just not that day. Plus, I got caught up talking with a friend up in Alaska for a lot longer than I thought I would. I was going to give Lena a call with Power, Passion, Freedom. But, you know, stuff happens. So here we are. So I'm just going to push everything off one more day. What's one more day? <laughs> so after we do the reading, I'm going to have my good friend Randy here. I'm going to have him on. I'm going to invite him on the show here because we're going to talk about some of the merchandise that he's, you know, been making for his hard line. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. I do have pictures posted. I got to remember to keep posting them on a daily basis. That's something I want to start doing. We're going to talk about how you can contact him and all the other fun details as far as, you know, his hardline tumblers and coffee cups. And of course, my wife and I, we do the shirts. Um, we can also do uh, vinyl decals if you prefer to have something like that on your car and you're not much of a, you know, an you know, if you're like me and you don't like wearing brands, I mean, his our line is a little bit different. It's not really a brand per se, because it's not a mega corporation that you have to pay in order to wear their brand and market for them. You know, I never understood that concept. If you think about it, it's pretty brilliant. People pay good, huge, stupid money for clothing. And the better and more recognizable the brand, the higher dollar you pay as a consumer to wear that brand only to advertise. So basically, in essence, the company wins both ways. You pay them to advertise. They don't pay you. You pay them to advertise their brand while at the same time making money on that piece of apparel. Do you see the brilliance and at the same time, the sickness behind that? This is why I've never been a big fan of brands. I like wearing no brands. I hate brands. I absolutely hate brands. But that's what you're doing. When you're paying huge money for like Lucky Jeans or Aeropostale if you're in high school or like, I, I don't even know what the brands are anymore. I'm so out of touch. I'm just a you know, go to Menards or Walmart or uh, no, scratch that. Not Walmart. Walmart can go to hell. I hate Walmart. I'm like Rain Man. Walmart sucks. Definitely sucks. Kmart sucks. Yeah. Definitely not going to Walmart. Mm -hmm. Not doing that. Um, Under Armour, I heard was a good brand. My in-laws actually own stock in Under Armour. But anyway, but yeah, I'm just, I am not a, um, I'm just not a, I'm not a brand person. Even if it is a good company, I'm not a brand person. I mean, I know Destry was saying North Face. Yeah, that's, 
I'm not paying $150 for a hoodie. Just not doing it. I'm <laughs> not doing it. I mean, like I said, I'm, sh- there, it's, I'm sure it's good quality. We do. My wife does have North Face hoodies and stuff like that. I know certain brands are good. You get what you pay for. All that said, I just don't, I just don't subscribe to that. I just don't. Um, so anyway, but back to the His Hard Line Apparel. It's not a mega corporation. I promise you, it's nothing that we're even trying to get rich on. In fact, you are supporting the show by supporting Randy. And like I said, we're going to have him on, talk about it. Um, he does donate to the show. I told him, I said, look, I don't I don't really care to really work out some sort of, you know, thing here because I win either way. Because like I said, he he donates to the show. And I told him, I said, look, I said, you donate as God tells you to. I'm not even looking for it. As you can clearly see, my show notes does not have a donate button. It has a coming soon, but you could tell the the priority of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, there's just no priority for that because, again, God blessed me with a really good paying job and a job that I don't quite necessarily hate. I actually like my job. And so... I say a lot to say this when we start talking about the apparel or the, you know, the shirts that we do and the mugs and the tumblers and stuff like that, basically, well, we're going to talk about that later. I'm going to let, I'm going to let Randy talk about that. Cause I honestly don't know what he's going to say. So it's going to be a surprise. So ta-da! all right. So we're going to be reading out of the book of Isaiah out of the NASB version, chapter three, starting with verse one. And it is 26 verses long. Sorry about that. If you heard that little clicking noise, I have a little a pocket cross that I always hang on to. Um, so I just dropped it. So if you heard a little tapping, clicking noise in the background, that's me fidgeting here. Okay. So the first section, when it talks about God will remove the leaders, starting with verse one. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. The mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the expert artisan and the skillful enchanter. And I will make mere lads their princes and uh, and capricious children will rule over them. Boy, that was a big word. I almost couldn't say that. And the people will be oppressed, each one by one another and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder and the inferior against the honorable. When a man lays hold of his brother in his father's house, saying, you have a cloak, you shall be our ruler, and these ruins will be under your charge. He will protest on that day, saying, I will not be your healer, for in my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You should not appoint me ruler of the people, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen. Because their speech and their actions are against the Lord, to rebel against his glorious presence, the expression of their faces bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Say to the righteous that it will go well with them, for they will eat the fruit of their actions. Woe to the wicked, it will go badly with him, for what he deserves will be done to him. O my people, their oppressors are children, and women rule over them. O my people, those who guide you 
lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. Huh. Kind of almost sounds like some of the rulers we have today. Now, the next section where it says God will judge, verse 13 through 15, says the Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people. And the Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people? And grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord, God of hosts. Now the next section is about Judah's women denounced. Excuse me, just for a second. Just saw something here on my phone. My wife was just texting. She knows I'm doing a podcast. She sends me a text asking me a question. Is the meet and greet at five on Thursday? By the way, if you're in West Michigan or anywhere within, you know, a reasonable driving distance, according to your mind of Grand Haven, Donna Brandenburg, candidate who's running for governor. She is uh, not a Republican, not a Democrat. She is running underneath the taxpayer party of Michigan. It's a constitutional party. And again, you actually look at every candidate that's going to be on the ballot nationwide. Hands down, I would put $500 on it. Donna is the only one, at least that I know of, that's constitutional. But we did have a conversation about that sidebar. Sorry about the sidebar, but I had to say this. But just like they're trying to make Donna disappear in the media so no one can know about her, we don't know. There could be a hundred others like her in other states, and we don't know it. So it's going to be very interesting to see what comes about here in the next few weeks. All right, now, so continuing with verse 16, Judah's women denounced. <clears throat> verse 16 through 26. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are proud and walk with heads held high and seductive eyes and go along with mincing steps and tinkle the bangles on their feet, therefore the Lord will afflict their scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare. In that day, the Lord will take away the beauty of their anklets, headbands, crescents, or crescent ornaments, dangling earrings, bracelets, veils, headdresses, ankle chains, sashes, perfume boxes, amulets, finger rings, nose rings, festal robes, outer tunics, cloaks, money purses, hand mirrors, undergarments, turbans, and veils. That's a lot of women's apparel and stuff. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Now, it will come about that instead of sweet perfume, there will be, hmm, it's a very interesting word, putrefaction. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of a well-set hair, a plucked-out scalp. Instead of fine clothes, a doning of sackcloth. And branding instead of beauty. Your men will fall by the sword, and your mighty ones in battle. And her, uh, and her gates will lament and mourn, and deserted she will sit on the ground. Wow. All right, so there's kind of a lot to unpack there. So, okay, so as far as, let me move my mic a little bit here. So, as we continue on from chapter 2, where God proclaimed that he would bring down 
the haughtiness of men. Here is given a list of judgments against Israel. Now, it's noteworthy. Um, noteworthy is the judgment of the upside-down society. Now, God made man the head of authority. And that's referenced in Genesis 2.15 and Ephesians 5.23. Yet here we have the men being subservient to the children. Now, where does that make sense? But as we continue on, because again, verses 1 through 8, the scripture may be possibly referring to literal children. But it's believed that we should consider this as a metaphorical statement. Now, those who are immature and the basest of people are the ones given to be Israel's rulers. And so this seems to be appropriate when you read about the latter kings of Judah and Israel in King and uh, Second Kings and Second Chronicles. Now it's also noteworthy that the fact that no one wants to rule Israel, nobody wants that task of healing or putting back in order Israel, and that reveals pretty much how far Jerusalem has fallen socially, economically, and morally. Hmm. Almost kind of sounds similar to that of our nation. I mean, really, who wants to run this nation? I mean, it's it's fallen huge, and it's still falling. But God repeats that the cause of Israel's terrible fallen state is their love of sin. And they no longer feel shame or guilt, but openly proclaim their sins. Now, the result is disastrous, and they have stored up evil against themselves. Now, as we look at verses 10 through 11, the opposite to the wicked would be obviously the righteous, and they shall see goodness. Now, God then repeats the end result of the wickedness, and he wants us to clearly understand that it basically doesn't pay to do evil. Crime doesn't pay. And so as we look at verse 12, the upside-down society described in the first few verses is reiterated, now adding that women are ruling. Hmm. Does this not sound very synonymous to what we're seeing here in this country? And this is not to go against women at all, make no mistake, because you know the wrong person hearing this right now will probably you know, lose their crap on this statement. But it's no wonder they're trying to do away with men and make masculinity a toxic thing and that it is it has no place in society and we need to elevate all women and we in fact we need to take it a step further we need to take we, we need to make men or turn boys and keep them into little subservient boys and eventually convince them that hey Johnny um little Mark it, it's okay to to be a girl or at the very least, you can be a furry. I mean, that's what they're doing in these, you know, these to these kids in school. They're convincing them, they're brainwashing them, they're manipulating them to to socially believe that being a girl is socially okay. And we don't have to tell your mom or dad. So not only is it that they want women to rule society, but they want men out of the picture altogether. So how do we do that? Well, we either try to get them gay, or more importantly, try to get them to be transgender, try to get them to do the whole weenie snip and talk and get them to turn into a woman. I mean, do you see what exactly is at play here? This seems, again, this is why I wanted to go and do the reading of Book of Isaiah, because there is a lot of parallels in this book that we are seeing play out today. And so as we get into verses 13 and through 15, God says that he has had enough of Judah's sins. 
and will make the leaders give an account for their failure to take care of and provide for their people. But we need to note that the leaders are here. They're referred to as princes, which appear to be directly opposite of the statement in verse 12 that women ruled. And so this tension is immediately removed by considering the following interpretation. When verses 6 and 7 tell us that no man was willing to rule, let's think about that for a second. No man was willing to rule. Kind of sounds like even in today's world where no man wants to be a father, they don't want to be a husband, they don't want to be a head of household, they don't want to be the sole provider, they don't want to be the, the leader in which God needed them to be. Are you starting to kind of connect the dots with Isaiah to today's modern day society in America? Verses 6 and 7 tell us no man was rule, was willing to rule. And this could mean that no man had enough backbone to stand up and do what was right. Huh. Instead of women having positions of power in Judah, God is simply illustrating how out of whack that their society had become that children were oppressing adults and men are were allowing women to dictate their lives. I mean, again, if you look at today's kids, it's not too far-fetched out of the you know realm of reality of exactly how synonymous this book of Isaiah chapter 3 is with what we see today. Granted, no, we are not seeing little 10 and 12-year-olds running for office and ruling the nation, but you know, you look at most families that don't have a good solid nuclear family structure in it with a solid father with a backbone and a mother who actually plays her role. Because I'm going to make myself clear. A woman's role is very, very important in the household just as much as a man. Men have a certain role. Women have a certain role. And together they complement each other and they are an unstoppable force when they have God-centered in that marriage. Unstoppable. But again, this is why they want men to be ungodly. They want men to turn into little boys and eventually turn into converts of women. And at the very least, turn them gay. Don't you see? They don't want us reproducing, number one. That's, there's that part of the agenda. But number two, they just they want to take God's structure and flip it and turn it on its head. It's very apparent. But again, like I said, you see, look at families that don't have a good solid family structure the kids practically run the parents in their own household. They yell at them. I mean, I saw a TikTok video of a mom trying to do what she was trying to do by being a mom and taking his phone away because he was acting out. Now, if I recall correctly, it was a very viral video. I think this kid was like 12, 11 or 12. The poor mother. I mean, God bless her because she was trying to actually be a parent. And you could tell there was no father in a household in a not so economically uh, prosperous home. So you can kind of read between the lines there. But I felt so bad for this mom because she came home to her whole entire apartment trash, TVs, laptops, anything electronic, smashed. Toilet porcelain, smashed. Glass in the mirrors, smashed. It looked worse than what a robber would have done just trying to look for money in hidden areas of the apartment. A robber would have done less damage than this kid did. That's the kind of crap we're talking about. But consider how Solomon allowed his heart to be turned away from God by his many wives. 
And so in the same way, this verse can be interpreted as husbands listening to and siding with the erroneous idolatry of their wives instead of caring for and leading their wives to God. And now we see that while men held the positions of power, women were the moral leaders at the time and were partially responsible for leading Judah astray. Now, as we look through the last part of this, 16 through 26, God declared judgment on the women of Judah and most likely because they had spiritually led their husbands astray. Let's take a walk in the way back machine in the Garden of Eden. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Adam who took a bite out of that forbidden fruit tree. I'm pretty sure it was Eve. I'm pretty certain it was Eve. And what did Eve do? Hey, Adam, what? You got to try this fruit. It's so good. Where'd you get it? Well, I don't know. Let's take a bite. And then, of course, the rest is history. See, because of one, the sin of one man, without using discernment and without questioning where Eve, you know, got that fruit further, because he knew there was one tree he was not to eat from. And so he ate, didn't question it, didn't discern nothing, didn't raise any suspecting eyebrow to it. And so because Eve got tempted by the serpent, a.k.a. Satan, Eve, the lady, the woman, got her husband, partner, whatever it was at that time, but we'll just say husband for the sake of argument, got Adam to eat from that forbidden fruit. And so Adam fell. And then you got sin among humanity worldwide. Yeehaw. Thanks a lot, Adam. Appreciate that. But see, this is why Jesus Christ came along. See, with one man's sin caused the whole world to fall because he listened to Eve without questioning or raising any type of skepticism about what he was eating and from where. Eve was gullible and vulnerable enough to be deceived by Satan. See how that works? You see why they want women in charge of everything? Because they know women are more susceptible. And again, don't take this wrong, ladies. But there's a reason God created the structure as it was. God, man, woman, children. Eve got, was deceived. And then, therefore, was part of the mechanism of making Adam fall. And so the women of that time, they cared about jewelry. They were filled with wanton eyes, as it states, a statement indicating that they were constantly desiring physical goods, kind of like today's modern day materialism. And so God says that they were brave in their adoration of physical treasures. Now, anything that we love more than God is an idol. Let's be very clear. Anything, a car, an article of clothing, the microphone that I'm speaking through right now, our stupid smartphones to a gallon of paint. I, I don't I don't care what, what your thing is. If you love it more than God, it's an idol. If you love eating strawberry licorice sticks so much, it's an idol. And you're poisoning yourself with red dye, red 40, 
God was declaring a wake-up call for the Judean women by stripping them of all the things that they love more than God. They trusted in material goods, and Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven and not treasures on the earth because everything physical can and will be destroyed someday. And God was going to teach those women that truth the hard way by stripping them of everything that they thought they had. I, this is great. I love this. This is a great chapter. Uh, in fact, the book of Isaiah, I think, is a wonderful book in itself. I love, I've love. i always enjoyed reading the book of Isaiah. That's why I wanted to go back to it. I didn't want to do any more New Testament. I thought this would be a really, after doing Romans, I figured this would be fitting for the times that we're in to start reading this. So anyway, that's... That's about pretty much all I got. It's 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 very very interesting. I'm looking forward to continuing this journey reading in Isaiah. Um, I think you will too, because as we start drawing more parallels and lines to you know connections of what we're seeing in the Book of Isaiah compared to what we're seeing um, today. Oh man, I tell you, it's really miraculous. Now, before we get into, I'm getting Randy on here. I, I wanted to share this. I wanted to share this actually before I got on the show, but. Uh, or before we did the reading, but for some of you out there, you some hopefully you guys all know this by now. You've probably all heard of the World Economic Forum, and you probably heard of a, a evil scumbag named Klaus Schwab. Now, he's the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, and he's also author of this book called COVID nineteen: The Great Reset. Now, I want to read just a little excerpt that I think, if you haven't read it or heard it, you're going to hear it now. Now. When you see what's going on around the world and what they're trying to do, this is going to just really, if you've never heard this, this will probably make your skin crawl. Now, listen to this. This is from his book. Again, COVID-19, The Great Reset. He's the author of the book, Klaus Schwab. He says, at least 4 billion useless eaters shall be eliminated by the year 2050 by means of limited wars, organized epidemics of fatal rapid acting, acting diseases, and starvation. Energy, food, and water shall be kept at subsistence levels for the non-elite, starting with the white populations of Western Europe and North America and then spreading to other races. The population of Canada, Western Europe, and the United States will be decimated more rapidly than on other continents until the world's population reaches a manageable level of 1 billion of which 500 million will consist of Chinese and Japanese races selected because they are people who have been regimented for centuries and who are accustomed to obeying authority without question. From that time there shall be artificially contrived food and water shortages and medical care to remind the masses that their very existence depends on the goodness of the Committee of 300. Wow. And it's an excerpt from his book. You know, I find that interesting how he says from the goodwill of the committee of 300. It's like he's trying to take again. See, this is what evil does. They take symbols and numbers and, sim you know, different things that God had in the Bible. I mean, what was it? Gideon's army was 300. They take things that were meant for good by God, and they bastardize it and make it evil in their little world. Now I want to go back to something here for a second. What did I just read? 
It said, from the, from the time there shall be artificially contrived food and water shortages and medical care to remind the masses that their very existence depends on the goodwill of the committee of 300. Artificial contrived food and water shortages. Huh. Didn't I just read? I read an article earlier. I think it was on the Gateway Pundit that I think somewhere out in Iowa some chicken farm out there in Iowa, somewhere out there in the, you know, corn belt that they had to like kill over one point something odd million chickens because of bird flu again. I mean, this is really, this is really sick and amazing. And so Donna Brandenburg posted this on her telegram and she comments by saying, you can thank the globalist power structure, including puppets in the political parties for bringing this filth to Michigan, which is headquartered or excuse me, the headquarter plan for Detroit. And that would be the World Economic Forum, by the way. They are traitors. She continu- she continues to write, they are traitors and have colluded with the enemy. The WEF, the World Economic Forum, is a domestic terrorist organization and has pledged to exterminate seven out of eight people worldwide. America is the last to stand. Treason. We're going to see some really interesting things, I think, coming up here in the very near future. I really, really see that and believe that. Destry and I had a really interesting conversation earlier. I think we're going to see some craziness coming about. We shall see. Time will tell. What did I always say? We're going to have something pop off before the end of the year. We're just beginning November. (laughs) We still got a long two months to go. So a long two months ago. So anyway, all right, without further ado, let me see if I can get Randy on here. Last time I tried doing this, I did do this invite when I had somebody on last Friday, Karen the Riveter, who's in our assembly. For some reason, she wasn't getting on. Donna got on no problem. So I told her, I'm like, well, try to call in. So Randy, um, well, first, let me try this method first. I'm going to invite you as a speaker. Let's see if you accept it, see if it pops up otherwise we're going to try one of us see connected with randy let's see if it pops up on my end come on podbean podbean has been very uncooperative lately let's see here hmm i'm not seeing you randy let me see let me see let me see let me see hmm try calling in randy because i'm not seeing you on the co-host speaker side make sure the call in is open it is so connect off of it or disconnect yourself because I can't see you and do a call-in. I don't know what that looks like on the phone, so I'm sorry. I'm leaving you kind of for blind there. Kind of going kind of going rogue here for a minute. This is the nice thing about technology and all this other fun stuff. You get to deal with these little intricacies. So let's see. So Randy entered the live studio. Let's see. So he's going to try to call in. Hopefully that works because it worked for Karen. I'll be really bummed if this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Did you find the call-in button, Randy, by chance? Man, I wish Ron was on because Ron knows exactly, I think, where that call-in button is. He said he found it. Did you hit it? Reading, reading his comments here. Huh, I wonder why it's not working. What the heck is going on? Hmm. Well, that's super frustrating. 
Yeah, and it says, I'm looking at my options here, allow call-in, so that's clicked on. I'm gonna do this real quick for a minute. I'm gonna play Donna Brandenburg's commercial quickly here um, while we try to hopefully get this figured out. So why vote for Donna Brandenburg? Ask yourself, are you better off today than you were four years ago? We have a Democrat governor and a Republican legislature. They all failed us. They failed us through the shutdowns. No one stood up and fought for us. They all laid down. They're one and the same. It's a corrupt uniparty. Hi, I'm Donna Brandenburg, and I'm running to be the next governor of the state of Michigan. The only true conservative, it would be my pleasure to serve with honor and integrity. In the United States of America, we are given opportunities that are unparalleled anywhere else in the world. And I want you to think about what would you like this country to look like? Your voice counts. We get to determine, because we the people are in charge, what this country looks like, what the state of Michigan looks like, and how it's run. Choosing a governor for the state of Michigan is a job interview. That's your job, to decide who you want to manage your financial assets. We own this state, and you get to decide how you want your state to be run. We are not a nation of political parties. We are Americans, and it's time to end this nonsense of dividing us up and keeping us fighting against each other. We need to stand together as Americans fighting for each other to defend, to protect, to help ensure the opportunities that our forefathers enjoyed. They gave us everything we need to put this state back together. It's a wonderful time to be alive, and we're going to do just that. We're going to put this nation back together. We're going to kick the criminal politicians out and those that have robbed from us for years and who have taken our rights, who have spit on our Constitution. The time is now and their game is over. My first responsibility as governor is to listen to what you want done, to find out what we the people want to have happen in this state. Your voice matters and what you think is important will be listened to. We will find ways to listen to every single one of you, aggregate that information and do what's in the best interest of the people of Michigan. We the people standing together is the key to taking the state back and ensuring all of our rights are protected and that there is opportunity going forward. First and foremost, we have to have free and fair elections and they have to be honest. The First Amendment, your right to freedom of speech. You should be able to say anything you want to say without any threat or coercion hanging over your head. Second Amendment, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, period, end of story. Constitutional carry, I think we should have tax credits for the purchase of firearms, ammunition, as well as firearms training. And I think all of these unconstitutional agencies need to get out of our state, and we hang that on the 10th Amendment, asserting states' rights. There's so much we can do going forward. I love Michigan. I was born and raised here my whole life. I've traveled a lot. I've traveled all over the state, and this is a beautiful state to live. We are so blessed. It's time to take back the American dream. Our vote should never be motivated by fear. Vote your conscience. Vote Donna Brandenburg for governor of the state of Michigan, November 8th. Yeah, so there you go. Vote Donna Brandenburg come November 8th. And don't forget to vote no for all those stupid proposals. All right, let's see. So I'm not seeing it on my end, Randy, but try talking. I wonder if it'll just sh have you show up. Nothing. 
That is so odd. Well, I, I did see Podbean was going to be doing some sort of update to their system. There's some system maintenance. This is the first time I've seen this done in quite some time. Um, actually, since I've had Podbean. Oh, I'm so frustrated with this. And so I'm hoping that this fixes the glitches because I had this issue last week, Friday, when I had Karen the Riveter on. Now, what's interesting is that Donna never has an issue getting on. Which is which is kind of which is kind of really interesting. We can always get her on without fail. For some reason, Karen, and we had an issue. So, darn it, Randy, I am so sorry. Um, we're gonna have to try to figure this out. I guess on a different day. I'm gonna try. We're gonna do like a like a practice one. Um, I'm gonna just do like a practice private uh, podcast where it's not open to the public. Kind of get this detail ironed out. This is very frustrating because I actually uh, a few months back I wanted to have a couple of my friends on that have a ministry called Heart, uh, Line in the Sand. Um, man, that really bums me out. But we did a test call with them and it worked out swimmingly, no problem. But see, this is what I'm talking about. These are the kind of issues that I've been having with Pondbean. Pondbean is a very frustrating little bastard. Excuse my language, but it is. I'm so sick and tired of this platform. But you know, I can't really find something that's, you know, I, I do I, do I I dare say good enough where because what uh, with what I pay, I get unlimited audio. And I've looked at many, many, many other podcast platforms where you pay yearly, but it limits you to like, you know, like obviously the more money you pay, then, you know, the more time you can have for storage. But I mean, it's like stupid amount of money, like, oh, pay $60 a month and you can have 12 hours a month or 20 hours a month of podcast time, 60 bucks a month. It's like, wait, what? I'm paying 115 for unlimited audio storage, no limitation. I can do as many shows as I want, however long I want. And you want me to pay 60 bucks a month for 20 hours a month of podcasting? I'll blow through that in the first 15 days. So that's why I stick with Podbean. I haven't really found anything that was really good enough yet. And I have a funny feeling I might have to, at some point, start my own podcast uh, platform that is way better than this, that doesn't freaking rob you. So, man, this really bums me out. I'm going to try one more time to see if I can connect Randy. This is really irritating me. I'm sorry to waste everybody's time here, but let's just try this one more time. Hopefully it pops on. It says connect with Randy, but it's not showing on my co-host slash speaker board yeah okay i think we're just going to give up for the night we'll have to try this again another day but anyways um we'll do that in a different day i just man just just blows my mind well without further ado we'll just do a prayer oh man i tell you what okay so heavenly father we thank you for another day of life and good health and we appreciate all the many blessings that you bring into our life. We thank you for our family. We thank you for lessons learned. We thank you for our failures because without our failures, we can't learn how to succeed. We have to fail and we realize that failure is a part of success. We have to make mistakes. And just we just only pray that those mistakes aren't fatal. But we thank you for those lessons. We thank you for the path that you put us on. We thank you for this journey because somebody here that's uh, listening in, a friend of mine reminded me the destination is right around the corner, but we still have to remember we need to be mindful and enjoy the journey. Even though the journey might suck sometimes, we have to remember to enjoy the journey. So we will do our best to be mindful of the moment 
and to recognize every opportunity to lend a helping hand, to show your love and invite, you know, try to help people invite Christ in their heart. So just show us those opportunities, show us the way, be our guide and light, and we will follow. And we pray all of this in your wonderful Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I do appreciate all of you guys being here. Again, sorry for not doing a, an assembly update and more. Like I said, the day got away from me. And again, that's just trucking for you. Destry knows what I'm talking about. He fixes all the trucks that we truck drivers break. In fact, Destry used to be a truck driver, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure he was. I can't remember. I thought that's what we talked about one time. But anyway, yeah, he works on all the ice road trucks up in uh, up in Alaska. And that guy, that's like his art studio when it comes to welding and fixing rigs. That's his art studio. Yeah, that's what he said. He drove semi in Michigan for seven years. So fellow, fellow trucker. And now he went from breaking them to now fixing them. <laughs> but yeah, that's, he, he loves what he does up there. In fact, he was just telling me today when I was on the phone with him, it had reached 10 degrees today for a high. I was like, wow. I'm like, you can actually bust out the barbecue and swimsuit. That's like a heat wave for you guys now. And he's like, yeah, about, about damn near. <laughs> so anyways, oh, he was saying I was fixing them while driving them. You know, I know those truck drivers. Those are talented truck drivers. When you get a driver that can legit change out a transmission on the side of a highway away from, uh, you know, a lot of mechanics. I mean, it, I mean, now I heard this story from some driver. Now I don't know how true it is because a lot of truck drivers are full of crap. I know I'm one of them, but I heard this story from a driver, a little, little sidebar, nothing that has to do with anything here in this show. But I heard this story of a driver who I work with. <laughs> I think it was him and he listens to the show. So I have to confirm with them because this is really remarkable if it's true. And I'm not calling him a liar, but sometimes my skepticism rise, you know, my skepticism meter is a little high on some, some stories, but he was saying that one, one, one time he, he broke down and he, I think he was an owner operator and I don't know where he had the parts. I mean, he had everything with him, but he had parts and tools in his truck and he was able to drop down his transmission, fix what he needed to and get it right back up and keep rolling. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, that seems pretty like, that's, that's some straight up MacGyver stuff right there. I just don't, I don't know. Again, I'm not saying I don't believe him, but that's just, uh, it's hard for me to fathom. But maybe it's because I'm a, an idiot and I could never do anything like that. So therefore it's hard for my little peasy brain to to recognize that people, there are people out there that can probably do that. Um, Destry was just saying he changed out number five piston in the in the rest area on a Cummins once in 2005. So, you know, maybe it's not too far fetched. So maybe this guy that I work with really did drop down a transmission and fixed it. I mean, I don't, people like that are remarkable. People like a Destry, if you, you know, when you have people like that, you want to be very, very nice to them because like probably changing, like, I don't know, a serpentine belt in your motor or something like that. Right. Or I don't know changing out gaskets for, you know, your, for your, for your motor, <laughs> they probably look at that and like, oh yeah, we'll get that. We'll knock that on an hour. That's no problem. Whoop, you know, whoop de doo They're used to work on big boy stuff, like big machines. You know, so it's, I don't know. I, I, I really, I hold people who can fix machines and cars and semis and stuff like that and weld things, um, 
to where they can get right back to being roadworthy. I find those people really remarkable because when I look at that kind of work, I cringe because I'm like, I could never do that. Like, I probably could, but I would probably quit day one. Day one. But then again, there's a lot of people that look at the tanker that I drive and they just crap their pants. They're like, I don't know how you drive a 128, you know, 125,000 pound bomb. Like, actually, believe it or not, when the thing's filled up is actually when it's safest. It's when the thing is filled with fumes that that thing is volatile. Someone puts a puncture wound with a, you know, an explosive round in it. Oh, that thing will go up. But when it's filled up, it's actually safer when the thing is filled up full of gas. Believe it or not. But anyway, I've jabbered on long enough. Randy, my man, I am so sorry we couldn't get you on here. This just adds to the list of like a thousand other issues that Podbean gives me here. I love it. But you know what? In Jesus' name, the next attempt will work. And we're going to say that right now. We're going to declare it right now. In Jesus Christ's name, we're going to get Randy on this show without fail. So we're just going to declare that right now because that's what that's what we can do. So Satan can just go back to hell. He's not going to thwart our, uh, our plans next time. So anyways, remember here at His Hard Line, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. And like we have to do right now in this very instance, we will push the enemy back on their side. Apparently, the enemy somehow got a toe on our side of the turf. We need to push him back and say, uh-uh, you stay over there, okay? Satan and your little whore minions are not allowed over here. Why? Because this is, well, this is God's side of the land. You can't come over here. You stay down in the fire of hell or the lake of fire, whatever the hell you guys like to swim in. You stay down there. This is our turf. This is our jurisdiction. You stay where you're at because we have dominion over you. So that's what we're here to do. Push the enemy back on their side. So we'll be successful next time. So until then or the next time, we will be back here tomorrow, November 2nd, Wednesday, for another 1% with him. We're going to be doing another reading out of Isaiah chapter 4. And as long as everything goes swimmingly tomorrow with my work day, we will do an assembly update and more. So again, no promises, no guarantees. I've been working on two big projects. I want to make sure I get those completed because um, I want to get something sent out to Destry and I want to get something sent out to Donna. So um, like I said, I don't want to take away completely from the podcast, but like I said, it might be a little skimpy this week leading up to next week, Tuesday. So, all right. I hope you have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.